0: You're listening to a podcast by Oak Magazine. I would like to acknowledge the Jaja people as the traditional owners of the land on which this episode was recorded. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome to A Friend of Mine, a series of conversations with some incredible and inspiring women in business from regional and rural Australia. I'm Kimberly Finesse, your host and the founder and editor of Oak Magazine. And I cannot wait to introduce you to some amazing female entrepreneurs who will share with you their experience and knowledge of what it takes to start, grow and scale a successful business. So let me introduce you to a friend of mine. Kaz Rasmussen started her career as a special education teacher. However, she soon realised that she wanted to make a bigger impact and provide more support to individuals with disabilities. Kaz's journey to becoming a business owner began in 2016, when she took a year off teaching to care for her ill father. During this time, there was an upswing in parents seeking Kaz's guidance to navigate the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Although she had no prior knowledge of the NDIS, Kaz decided to give it a try and never looked back. Kaz & Co, an NDIS-registered disability and special needs support service, now has over 30 staff supporting individuals with mental health challenges who are striving for a fulfilling independent life. In this episode, Kaz shares with us her transition from school teacher to business owner. We discuss the importance of values, hiring staff, investing in business coaches and marketing for support and growth, imposter syndrome, as well as navigating the NDIS system. Meet my friend Kaz from Kaz Co. Hello, Kaz, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kimberly. Good to be here. It's so lovely to actually be in your workplace. So, we're in the industrial area on Strickland Road in Bendigo, and you fit so well in this space.
1: Yeah, we were very, very lucky. I'd been looking for quite some time. Being in the centre of Bendigo wasn't priority for me. People with disabilities, the parking, all of that sort of thing was a big issue. So the actual proximity of where we were wasn't a big deal. It was just accessibility. And here we've got multiple car parks out the front, multiple car parks out the back, Upstairs, downstairs, and a beautiful premises to go with it. So we're very lucky.
0: Yeah, I feel like it even still has its new smell in here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's also all those cars out the front. Uh, you know, even just in our communications and just talking about photos and obviously getting your article ready for our next issue of Oak. And you mentioned how many are in your fleet. Yeah, so we now have fourteen cars
1: and very, very proud to say they've all got Cas and Co sign written on the side of them. It is a service that I provide, Bendigo, that I am very proud of um, because unfortunately it does, NDIS packages, the transport chews into a lot of their funding which limits their availability of their package long term. So it's something that I picked up on pretty quickly early on in my business and it's a service that I provide. but free of charge to the participant and if i can support a participant in that area that's that's an easy done that one an easy fix so yeah 14
0: cars later and do you stop and think wow look where I am now I'm in this big building with lots of cars I mean I see your cars zipping around town everywhere with Kaz & Co written on them yeah lots of people say the same thing they often say oh wave to you yeah. and you didn't
1: wave back <laughs> oh yeah it wasn't me sorry um I do I often pinch myself cannot believe where I am from seven years on 2017 we started and never dreamt in a million years I'd be where I am so yeah 14
0: cars and 35 staff Um, Very proud. Very proud. Let's go back. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that journey up until this point.
1: Yeah, so I'm a special ed teacher by trade and um, I had a real passion for autism and severe behaviour. Taught in special schools in and around Bendigo and loved what I did. But I learnt very, very quickly that... I was possibly in teaching for the wrong reasons I just wanted to love the children and I was very strong on Maslow's hierarchy so making sure the children were fed that they'd slept that they were in warm clothes all of those things needed to be given first prior to me teaching and sometimes those things took all day to happen before I could even start to teach so In 2016, I took a year off when my dad was very ill and I took a year off to look after my father. And whilst I was having that time off teaching, the NDIS came into Victoria and I had a couple of parents call me and ask for assistance. I had no idea what the NDIS was, but I said, yep, absolutely give me a look at it and I'll have a go. And 2023, never stepped back into a classroom since. Kaz uh, & Co was born based on that and um, here I am and don't regret one day, not one day.
0: Oh wow mm-hmm. uh, and haven't stepped back into a classroom. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's a big thing too to to give up what a teacher's salary is and all the benefits that come with it. There is the time off so you know even just adjusting to well how many yeah. weeks, 12 weeks? Lots <laughs> of school
1: holidays. I always say people say do you miss teaching and I have to be honest and say oh there's six weeks of school holidays at Christmas time and um, yes those sort of things I do miss but the everyday you know give and take what happens throughout the day and the achievements I feel I'm making Cas and Co far outweighs the teaching career. Mm-hmm. Uh, look I'd never be where I am without my teaching career um, but I'm certainly feel like I'm in a better place for Kaz anyway
0: yeah yeah. Specialist Education. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason why you were drawn
1: to that? Yeah, so I found myself in 2005 as a single mum and of three children. Um, my middle child was diagnosed with autism and I needed to support him the best that I could. Being a single mum, I was it for him. And I also needed to advance my career becoming a, a sole parent and one income family. So I thought what better way to kill two birds with one stone than to go into special ed teaching that I could support my child myself and benefit the community, which was the best decision I ever made. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's Mm. so beautiful to hear. Yeah. Do you think your experience then as a single mum that, you know, does have a child with autism Has that helped you as a business owner as well? Is there a level of empathy or, you know, you're just able to relate? Yeah,
1: 100%. I have parents coming to me all the time with issues that if I didn't have my own life experiences in my own home, I probably wouldn't understand. So because I do have the empathy there and the real life experience, I feel I can instantly go, yes, that's what we need. This is what an NDIS package is going to do for you. This is what we have to fight for. Um, Just the real basic sometimes things that you don't know what you don't know. And so because I've got both ends of the scale, the business side of the NDIS, but also the personal side, they gel really well together. And I feel I'm a wealth of knowledge for people that don't know much about the NDIS
0: and their kids. Yeah, And I think that's a lot of people with the NDIS. I think it is. I think yeah. you're right. 100%, 100%. So from 2005, then, you know, you've looked into this avenue of specialist education and then gone into your own business that specializes in NDIS. How much has that changed, even just in terms of Media.
1: When the NDIS came in in 2016, prior to that, it was what they call block funding from Centrelink. So um, people were sent off to you need a physio, so you're going to that one, off you go. And you need a speech therapist, you go to that one that we tell you to. In 2016, when the NDIS came in, what that gave participants was choice and control. So each individual is assessed based on their requirements. And given an amount of funds that they can choose to do whatever they want with. So, for instance, if they need a physio, they can go and choose their own physio. They don't have to go to a certain one. Or if they need a speech therapist, same thing. So it's given the participant so much more control over their own life choices, which absolutely they're entitled to. And all we do at Cas & Co is support them to to guide them to do that and allow them to have their choice. So it's a really beautiful thing. It seems like a basic thing, though, that we should all have is choice. Exactly, exactly. And unfortunately, prior to 2016, there wasn't that. And, yep, in the media at the moment, there seems to be a lot of negativity around the NDIS – But what the media doesn't show is the positivity that surrounds it. And there are so many people living much better lives at the moment because of the NDIS. So
0: when we talk about specialist education, I think I've mentioned a few times on the podcast that, you know, my husband's a school teacher. He actually works in a specialist school. I always mention to him what I'm doing for the day, who I get to interview. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if he pays any attention, but I I always get the, oh, yeah. And anyway, I had mentioned you and what we were going to talk about. And instead of the, oh, yeah, oh, hey, that sounds really interesting. Like, and had a few questions. And I said, well, what would you ask Kaz if you were interviewing? And he's like, oh, well, how do families navigate the NDIS structure? Mm,
1: Yeah. So from my perspective, when I go into a home with a participant on the NDIS, I try my absolute best to go in with a holistic approach to the whole family. So, yes, there might be one specific family member with a disability. However, the rest of the family are living with that disability, learning that disability, trying to provide the best care for that disability that they can. And so it might not necessarily be myself or my staff working Directly with the individual, it might be with the mum, or you know, advising on the best care for your child, or as a whole family, let's take you here to do this. Whereas they would have normally go, oh no, we can't do that. It's a holistic approach for the whole family. So sometimes guiding the parents and giving them explanations to what they don't know, if that makes sense. You don't know what you don't know. So let me tell you some of the obstacles you might come up with or or you're about to face and we'll be two steps ahead of them and and try and navigate down that path. It
0: must be a tricky job. So his other question were, how do families with intellectual disabilities navigate the complexity of NDIS? So that is, you know, a family member might also have... Mm -hmm. An intellectual disability, which does happen.
1: 100% and I've got many, many on my books. So we have a team of not only support workers but support coordinators and they will coordinate the whole NDIS package for them and um, obviously with consent and etc., they can even speak on their behalf. Um, once again, it comes back to they don't know what they don't know, so that's our job to... Educate them on what can be of service under the NDIS package. So, yeah, we do a lot of that work for them behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, uh, I know there's days where it's really rewarding, mm-hmm. and there's those funny moments and you know great moments. But I'm assuming there's also some really hard ones. It, it could, it's possibly quite a, a heavy job load mentally absolutely how do you manage through that how does your staff manage through that
1: many many days we go through um obstacles the biggest obstacle is not enough funding for what the participant would like to do Um, that's always that's an everyday occurrence but we utilize what we can so it could mean that we'll cut our hours or days back here to support you in another area that is obviously more important to them so We try to utilise as best we can. I'm not going to lie, Kaz does go above and beyond and often (laughs) I prefer not to charge for my hours only because I can see the benefits for the participant most of the time.
0: Do you love the idea of taking the hard work out of shopping, knowing that someone else has curated for you endless apparel and homewares options that are high quality, often handmade and always beautiful? At Vivian Kate, the focus is on natural fibres and a timeless earthy style You'll find high-quality clothing in classic styles, unique homewares such as cow hides and handmade ceramics, gorgeous aromatherapy-based skin and body products, and so much more. Personally, I love the selection of jewelry. Karen from Vivian Kate is all about connection and understanding what you need, and she offers a personal styling service by appointment. Karen loves to support other regional women in business and has a wide network of talented friends from all over the country whose work she stocks in store in the beautiful regional town of Yakandanda in northeast Victoria. The Vivian Kate website mirrors the charm of the bricks and mortar store, ensuring you can access the same carefully selected items with just a click. Find out more by visiting www.viviankate.com or check out our show notes for links. In terms of the business, how scary was it stepping in and launching your own? Again, especially when it's something like the NDIS and there's funding, there's guidelines, there's so much around it.
1: Yeah, so huge, absolutely huge and very daunting. But what I did do, which was probably the best decision I made, was there are not too many registered NDIS providers Um, you can become a provider without being registered. However, becoming registered, which was a very... It was a substantial cost, but it's made me compliant. And I go through audits every 18 months and I keep up to date with the latest rules, regulations, guidelines, pricing, all of that, and I'm mandated to do that because I'm registered. But that also means from a participant point of view they know being a registered provider ndis has approved me so there's no dodginess if i not that i like that word but um, i have to be compliant and i'm very proud to say i am and that has helped me to navigate to where i am today
0: Uh, i can't imagine how much you have to keep up with and we're in your office i'm then wondering how often do you get out still versus you know having to work on the business all the paperwork keeping everyone in line checking like
1: yeah it's it's a task I'm not going to lie it is a task I much prefer to be on the front line I say out with my participants however it is a job that has to be done and I have a brilliant network uh, support behind me employing the right people can be a bit tricky at times but once you've got those people in place it certainly uh, helps in the back end yeah
0: when did your first hire happen? How how early into that business? Yeah, I
1: started in 2017 as a sole trader and in 2019 I became a company. 2018 was the first time I employed.
0: Even going from sole trader to company, how did you make that? Was that an accountant that it helped you out? It was definitely
1: an accountant and that was another big hurdle I came across. I think I've been through four accountants in Bendigo. <laughs> um, just trying to get that right fit for me and not understanding what I needed um mm. you know once again it comes back to you don't know what you don't know but I now have an amazing accountant on board who is a great back-end support for me yeah he was it was his suggestion move over to a company and once again it's something I
0: definitely haven't regretted doing Yeah, even as you said, to go through the four, like you get to a point where you think, oh gosh, is this me? But as you said, like you do need someone that understands Mm -hmm. your business and not all accountants are the same. No, they're not. They're not. And,
1: um, you know, if I had any advice for anyone, your accountant is almost like a partner i have to be guided by him and and he has been the best guidance i've ever had and he's a bendigo man as well so he knows bendigo he understands it he understands me which has been great but um yeah as i said it took me a few to to find the right (laughs) one but certainly garden and i'm a big believer in pay someone what they do well i'll do what i do well And I pay other people to do what they do well.
0: I (laughs) like that. That's a good one. Uh, Did you ask lots of questions? Are you someone that isn't afraid to ask the question? Um, Yeah, well,
1: I'm certainly not afraid to ask. But his favourite line with me is, okay, now I I know you don't like to look at figures, but we need to. And I'm definitely not a figures person. Um, I hate it. I don't even know how to use Excel. I hate it and I don't want to learn. And he knows that, but um, he simplifies everything for me,
0: which is really good. So how else have you invested in your business? There's obviously been the accountant, which, you know, I'm assuming it's not just a small business for you. You definitely need that. What else have you invested in?
1: Yeah. So I've got multiple business coaches from all over Australia, uh, which I've worked with. I've got marketing on board. I also do two different women in business retreats uh, multiple times a year. They've been an amazing support for me and just general everyday networking. So I listen to podcasts, uh, lots of podcasts. You don't very often see me having music on in the car anymore. And it's all about trying to be the best version of myself to deliver the best version of myself to my participants
0: and staff. I like it. Mm. It's big to invest in yourself as well. I listen to you say that and I'm like oh wow and look where you are like you can see that that's paying off yeah and quite a few years ago if you had have
1: asked me that I would have said no I haven't got time for that you know I'm a mum I'm this but I've really reaped the benefits of putting me first and uh, self-care has just been huge especially as my business has grown and yes I work long hours but I love what I do so it doesn't feel like I work but I also don't feel guilty anymore in pampering myself. And as I said, yeah, retreats and little holidays here and there and massages, all of those sort of things. Yeah. And I love it. I might need mm-hmm.
0: to prioritize those parts first. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, when you talk about the business coaches, mm-hmm. what's been your biggest takeaway from having those coaches, those mentors on board?
1: Yeah, they've all offered me something different in different areas, but in probably the biggest thing is focus on my values. What are your values? And when things aren't going right or I'm feeling like I'm not getting what I need from the business, go back to the core of my values. What are they? Focus on them. And every time it's right, every time I'm not getting what I need or I want, uh, or like the results I want, I'll go back and is this lining up with my values? Probably not. Yeah. Ah. yeah. So what are your values? Um, professionalism, yeah. honesty and communication are the three big ones. And usually if I am encountering some kind of an issue, usually one or more of those values are not are not being adhered to. Mm. Mm.
0: From teaching to business owner, mm-hmm. what are some transferable skills that you've found you can take from the classroom to your desk?
1: Yeah, so the biggest thing I've probably taught myself is that my values with teaching, so going back to that Maslow's hierarchy of wanting the children fed, wanting them feeling safe, wanting them nice and warm, had, my values were right even though I was probably in the wrong setting, um being the education setting which focuses more on, you know, academic, reading, writing all of those things. Uh, my core values were in the right place, and knowing now what I do now, going back to when I was in the classroom, I still don't regret one bit of having those values at the front face of my teaching. And you know, I've got a couple of little participants um, that I did teach when they were younger that I now have on board as NDIS participants purely from when they're in the classroom with me so I'm super proud of that it's just the values I just have to keep going back to those values and yeah
0: yeah I was at a conference at the weekend Australian Women in Agriculture Conference we had a few guest speakers and one of them spoke very highly about her values as well and they weren't words they were more phrases and again Mm -hmm. just coming back to them uh when a project doesn't work coming back to that it's coming up more and more i found you know like i do like over the last five years speaking to just women in business there are little trends that you start to listen to and and i've just found lately everyone talks about their values and uh even in terms of hiring and firing staff like it comes back to
1: values hundred percent and what i've learned is when i'm at a roadblock stop have a look at those values and then reassess and nine out of ten times you can go back to they're not lining up and that's why you're at a roadblock. Um, they're the core of everything.
0: Was that really early on that you established those? And I asked that because, you know, can a business be too small for values? Mm. So um, to become a registered
1: NDIS provider, I had to have values, it was part of the audit. And I think I had about eight or nine, I'm not gonna lie, there were way too many. <laughs> and, and I think I've still got them, I probably need to reassess them. But coming back to these are the three that I focus on all the time and in my head, even though on my webpage, I've probably got more than three, these are the three I'll every single time focus on. Yeah. And you do need them. They, they ground you.
0: So when I was reading your article mm-hmm. uh, and you haven't read it yet, so I do need <laughs> to let our listeners know <laughs> that, that um, these interviews are all pre, you're all reading your article. Mm-hmm. And someone might ask, how do you not get a chance to read your article before it goes out? Well, it's something that a newspaper generally does. But uh, for me, I just, I feel like that person should trust in us. Mm -hmm. We are going to look after you. Mm -hmm. Now, it talks about being the underdog and that for Mm -hmm. your, you know, your whole life you've, you've felt like the underdog. Do you want to talk to me about that feeling?
1: yeah so um and I don't mean mm, to make you cry no that's okay (laughs) that's okay so I'm one of five siblings I'm the middle child so I do joke around and say I've got the middle child syndrome but my siblings all of my siblings were all quite academic and very attractive and um have all done very very well for themselves and I was the child that um didn't really care about school and you know played around a bit and was more in for the social setting than anything else um so I just felt like I was the, the, yeah, the black sheep of the family, I suppose. And it wasn't until I, my mother passed away in 2011. And then when my dad passed away in 2016 is when I had the courage to launch Kazan Co. And I think looking back now, it's because prior to that, being the underdog of the family I was always in my head destined to fail so with both parents not going to disappoint them around them and I wasn't going to disappoint them it sort of gave me the strength to you know launch Kaz & Co but I also had remarried by that stage and my second husband was absolutely amazing and I knew if I failed he was going to be okay with that and Um, he would never judge me and to this day he doesn't know anything he doesn't understand my business but he supports me 100% and I think having that back end of support behind me has um, got me to where I am today
0: yeah it's incredible how much power having someone believe in you has Mm. and this sounds really random and and Mm. a bit of a disconnect Mm. but Oh my gosh, I I can't believe I'm going to say this. I was watching the Jason Kelsey documentary. (laughs) I know, I know. But Jason Kelsey, he's an NFL player. I mean, most famously, his brother's Travis, who is seeing Taylor Swift. But he was talking about imposter syndrome and that he has it as well. However, whenever he's had self-doubt, he's been surrounded by his family and his friends who have self-belief in him. And that is how he's been able to get through those moments. Mm -hmm. And it was just that I like paused it and just had to sit in that and go, wow, this is someone that is at that level that seems so obviously confident. But just how simple that is for all of us. We all just need someone within our circle to have belief in us. And I think my husband is that too for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it is. And I never... um or prior to I don't underestimate that power now I certainly mm. don't because I believe that's what's got me to where I am now and the fact that my three children are now adults and they are my absolute best supporters ever I just picked up the phone the other day to a voice message from my daughter my 22 year old that said Mum call me when you're when you're not being a super mum, a super person, you call me oh. and um uh, I just thought, oh gosh, they all understand when Mum can't answer the phone that yeah, um, yeah. and as I said, my three children and my husband, they're all one hundred percent back me, one hundred percent believe me, mm. is where, I, where where I've got to where I am, I think
0: yeah. but your daughter's not like that by chance, no. you know that has to come from somewhere. Mm. she is surrounded by someone that you know. I suppose, models that behaviour. So, you know, there's a little pat on your back that you need to give. Yeah, thank you. They've all got
1: good work work ethics. So that was my biggest goal with my children. So, um, yeah, I'm very lucky.
0: And do you think uh, that we do look back at our childhoods and go, okay, I've got kids of my own now. How do I... I don't want to make those same mistakes. How do I be a better mum?
1: Exactly. And and it's, yeah, and I'm a big believer in the modelling. Um, but going back to being that underdog, I think it sort of coincides really well with the industry I'm in because when I see an underdog, yeah, you watch me go after him and, and let them shine and I'll do whatever it takes to make. And so it sort of coincides both both ways, I think. Absolutely. I think, yeah. yeah.
0: Amazing. Uh Sorry, (laughs) how do I transition out of that? Um, I think it's remarkable how quickly you've grown, but more so just who you're helping, Mm. Kaz. Like, honestly, there just needs to be someone in that corner. Mm. There's not enough Mm. still. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I do have a lot of, I always say, the ones no one else is prepared to touch and I love it absolutely love it and I felt that with teaching too though so that's obviously something that I've transitioned into as I said oh, I just wouldn't change it for the world I just love what I do and I actually had another business person say to me the other day have you got a plan and I said for what and he said <laughs> well, when you finish I went no <laughs> uh, no there's no plan I don't see a finish line and um I, I couldn't even contemplate a finish, finish line to be quite honest yeah I don't this is it for you. Like this uh, 100%, is... 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. To wrap us up with my favourite question, could you tell me about a friend of yours that we need to know about? Yeah. So I do
1: have one friend in Bendigo that has a small business. Um, her name is Jamie Hudson and she runs Sparkling Clean. And what I love about Jamie is with the cohort of participants that I have, sometimes cleaning their home can be a little overwhelming we'll say nothing is too hard of a job for her she will drop everything she's non-judgmental she interacts with my participants which just warms my heart so much um, because a lot of my participants don't get friendly welcomings she's an amazing person that runs a small business on her own same as me just started from nothing and she's, um, yeah, always there for me whenever I call her. She's amazing. But having said that, it's all about networking and other Bendigo businesses around that if I can support them, they usually support me, so... Yeah, I can never
0: just narrow it down to one, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I'd be uh, stuffed if I was on your side and had to answer that question. Honestly, I couldn't pick out one. It's uh, There's lots and it changes every day. And um, I think really at the end of the day, the most important thing is that when there's an opportunity, you are talking about that business. You absolutely. know, oh, I know such and mm, such absolutely. who does this and can help you out. Yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, I know that when we put the call out that if you wanted to have an article in Oak, uh, you said, oh, you sent me an email Mm -hmm. and said, look, I think I might go for it. I think Mm -hmm. I might Mm -hmm. (laughs) back myself. Oh,
1: don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I'm so glad you did. Uh, As I said, uh, I was able to read that article uh, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is good. Like, this Mm -hmm. is really good. And of course, I think having someone else that works in the uh, special education sector, I just I know the incredible job you mm. all do yeah and I think it takes a special person to do that job I don't think you choose and I think it chooses you so I agree I agree yeah, yeah. and then look where you are now yeah you know yep. it's incredible you should be so proud yeah. like this I isn't a small proud, business Kimberly, I
1: am I am I'm very proud yeah yeah this mm. is
0: amazing thank you thank you so much for being a guest you're welcome thank you now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions, we'd like to celebrate a win, you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at oakmagazineau. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine.